In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken from the entire Roman world. That first census was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him within, and was expecting a child. While they were, the time had came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out of, in the fields nearby, keeping over watch of their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the, Lord, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will, bring, that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. With this, with this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on peace to those on whom favor his rests. When the angels had left them they had and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had, sent, when they had seen him, the shepherd was word concerning what they had told them about this child, and who heard it was were amazed at the what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all the things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, what were as just been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to be circumcised, the child named, he was named Jesus, and the name of the angel had been given before he was conceived. You know, Christmas is here, and I'm going to go ahead and light this middle candle here. So we're here tonight, ultimately, because God has given us a great gift. And when we think about the kinds of gifts that we get, we have to ask ourselves, you know, 
more about who the gift giver is than the kind of gift. Now, there's different types of gift givers, aren't there? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have gift givers in your life that give you things that you need. Some of you have gift givers in your life that give you things that they think that you need. Some of you have gift givers in your life that just want to know one thing. What do you want? You know, you go through weird stages like that. You know, when you're a baby, you get what your parents want for Christmas. When you're a toddler, you get what others think that you want. And when you're a young child, usually you get what you want. You know, I want this this thing or that thing or whatever. That's typically what you get. You know, there's a difference, though, between what you need and what you want. When you're a teenager, you can't tell the difference between what you need and what you want, though. And when you get a little bit older, then people start thinking about what you really should be having, and, and you have to get practical things. And then, you know, as you become an adult, you know, who knows what you get? It just can be something that depends. Well, we have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of gift giver is God, and what kind of gifts does he give us? Now, I think that God is the best kind of gift giver because he doesn't just give us what we want, what we think we want, or even what we need. You see, there's a deeper level of, of gift than that. God gives us what we truly long for. Now, this idea of what we long for lies beneath our wants or even our perceived needs. Now, for thousands of years, the Jews longed for a Messiah. They had a longing in their hearts for this restoration of the relationship that they would have with their God. You see, God created a people, and they were called the, the Israelites. And if you read the Old Testament, you see the, the history repeats itself over and over and over again. God delivers his people. They rejoice. They're happy. They receive their gift of deliverance from God with joy, but then they sort of get bored with it. They stop playing with it. They get tired of it, and then they want the next best thing. and So they rebel against God, and then, of course, disaster strikes, and the cycle repeats itself over and over again, because God is a good gift giver. See, he continues to give. And the Jews longed for an end to this cycle. They longed for a Messiah who would come and deliver them, but they got confused because they confused their longing with their perceived needs and ultimately their, their wants. You see, the Jews, the nation of Israelite, they, they wanted something from God. But what God had promised to give them was a little different. You see, God promised a Messiah. He promised a person but what the Jews wanted was a religious code. They wanted to know what they had to do in order to get God on their side. See, what God wanted to give them was relationship with Him to be their leader. But what the Jews wanted was a king. They said, all the other nations around us have kings. Why can't we have a king? God said, you want a king? Fine. And they had a successive uh, sequence of kings, some good, most bad. See, God didn't promise a king in the way that the Jews wanted a king. He didn't promise a code or a list of do's and don'ts that would allow people to control their relationship with God. What he promised was a person. And that might have not been what the Jews thought they wanted, but indeed it was what they longed for. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 
read, we read these words from the prophet. He says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, in Amos chapter 9, verse 11 through 12, we read, In that day, the Lord says, I will restore David's fallen tent. David was a great king. He says, I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord. Who will do these things? Or so that the remnant of men and all the nations that bear my name may seek the Lord. You see, the Jews wanted all kinds of things for Christmas. But God doesn't just give what we want or what we think we want or even what we think we need. He gives what we long for. And what the Jews misunderstood was this. Their promised gift of the Messiah was not about them. It wasn't about their nation. It wasn't about their land. It wasn't a means to an end. The Messiah is the end. You see, the Jews longed for the Messiah, but ultimately they missed him because their preconceived expectations were blinding them from the truth. You see, they were far more concerned with what they thought the Messiah would do for them than what the Scriptures had promised about the Messiah. So Jesus shows up. The angels go to the shepherds and proclaim the good news and say, guess what? Everything that you've always been longing for is finally here. You ever give somebody a gift and you think it's the greatest gift ever? But it's not what they asked for. It's not what they said they wanted. And they, they go to open that gift and it's like, oh, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I asked for. But deep in your heart, you're saying, this is better than what you asked for. We gave our kids gifts like that last year. I emphasize the words last year. They had these things. They Our daughter wanted those ugly boots that kids wear. I'm sorry, but those things, they're, you're, gonna, you're all going to look back in 20 years and go, why didn't somebody stop me? But we, we, you know, we kind of splurged a little bit. We, we, we bought them these iPads last year. We saved up a bunch of money, and, 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 and they, they, that was way off their list of what they thought they were going to get, right? So, of course, because we're good parents, we, you know, play a little trick on them, of course. We wrap them up in different size boxes. And I remember we let Jesse, our, our middle child, open his first. And I think he wanted, like, I don't know what he even asked for, but it wasn't that. I can tell you that he wasn't that bold. So he opens it up, right? And he sees this, this iPad mini that he got last year. And the first thing that we hear, he's like, yes, an iPad mini. And then his little brother goes under his breath, my present better be good. <laughs> at the same time, my daughter looks over at the box under the tree that has her name on it. And it's about the size of those boots. And now she's going, oh, man, I shouldn't have asked for those boots. I thought that's what I wanted, but they're giving away iPads. <laughs> it was totally unlike me to play a trick on my kids like that. It's all Estelle, right? But, uh, so of course, you know, they unwrap, and that's what they had, you know, and it was, it was awesome. But have you ever given somebody a gift and they just looked at it and were like, oh, that's not what I want, you know? And they look at you like with this look of horror, like you've ruined my life. 
You ever have someone tell you that they're going to take back their present if they don't like what it is? Right? You know, and some, sometimes we have that situation, don't we? And, and really, for the Jews, it was, it was kind of like that. They, they basically told God, this is what I want, God. It's exactly what it needs to be. It's exactly what it needs to look like. And when Jesus shows up, they're like scratching their heads going, this isn't what we asked for. It's the wrong one. Didn't they know? Didn't God get it? God doesn't understand, does he? You ever feel like that sometimes? You ever feel like the things that you ask God for, he just doesn't understand? And you say, God, this is what I want. But what God brings to your life is something completely different. And you find yourself going, what's the deal? Doesn't God care about me? Doesn't God pay attention when I tell him what I want? I mean, I've been been nice, right? So I should be on the nice, oh, wait a minute, that's not God, that's Santa Claus, right? But isn't it funny how we treat God that way sometimes? Well, that's exactly what happened when when Jesus was born. there There were a few people that that said, no way. Matter of fact, the king of Israel said, no way, we're not having this. We're sending him back, literally. And he decreed that every male two years and under would be slaughtered for fear that this young king might take over his power someday. I mean, that's how, how, how ungrateful King Herod was. But then there were these shepherds, weren't there? There were these shepherds that dropped everything that they were doing and made the trip into Bethlehem and found this baby and and worshipped him. You see, God doesn't just give us what we want or what we think we want. He gives us what we long for. The problem that each of us have, though, is that we don't understand what we long for. We, We misread it. You see... The Jews had been carried away by these other nations and the land that they had taken for granted was was now ruled by the Romans and their disobedience had repeatedly led them into punishment and exile. And God had promised to restore them to relationship, but only after they would repent and turn back to God. You see, this longing that the Jews had came not about this desire to to rule the world, but ultimately a longing for a relationship to be restored between God and the people. And that's exactly the situation many of us find ourselves in this Christmas Eve, don't we, when it comes to our own relationship with God. So many of us have these same kind of conversations with God. And God never promises that He will give you what you want. But He does promise that he will give you that thing that you long for. Now, what is that? See, when we misread our longing, it simply means that we don't understand our problem. When you don't understand what you really, truly long for, you seek to fulfill that longing with things that don't work, with false messiahs, with idols. You see, we think our problem is that we don't have enough. So we work to achieve and we work to to attain significance but yet it's never enough is it we misread our longing we long for god but we mistake that longing for the need to be accepted by other people or to be approved of by other people so we we work hard to please them but it's never enough is it 
You see, we long for God, but we mistake that longing for a need to control our lives and our circumstances and our relationships. So we try to control things. We try to manipulate people. We bully our way through relationships. And, of course, that leads us to all sorts of problems. You know, sometimes we long for God, but we mistake that longing as a need to be religious. So we work hard to prove to everybody that we're really religious. We read books about theology. We listen to sermons. We, we learn our lingo and we try to do good things and be righteous and do all these things. We avoid sin, not because we truly love Jesus, but because we think it's going to give us a leg up on everybody else and we want to prove to everybody else that, that, that we have done what we need to do. See, sometimes we think that following God is more about getting God to do what we want rather than to seek what God wants. See, it's good to embrace the longing that we have, but we need to be clear about what it is that we truly long for. We long for God. We can't help it. It's what we were made for. I know it's hard to believe sometimes when we look at our lives and all the the stuff that goes on in our hearts that really what it is that we're chasing in life is God. I mean, think about the most far away from God person that you know. Think about the things they do with their life. Think about the things they do with their money or their time or their relationships. And you say, you're not serious that that person longs for God? tell you, I know some of us look at our wills and our our addictions and we say, oh, you know what? I will all sorts of things that are contrary to God, but I'm not talking about your will. I'm talking about something deeper than the human will. Even beneath the sinful will lies something more. And I think if you dig deeply enough below the surface, below the corruption of our will, below our fleshly desires that take us away from God, if you dig deeper even below that, what you will find is a deep longing for God. It's just that we don't often recognize what it is. So think about that. Think about that in the context of a person who doesn't know Jesus. Maybe here tonight, there are some among us who are here because we were drugged by a family member or just because it's the thing you do on Christmas Eve. But the truth is, our lives reflect nothing of a love for God. We love ourselves. We, we have a longing for power or for pleasure or for excess or whatever. I would say to you, if you look deeply beneath that longing, you'll see God is there. Now, what if you're a believer? What if you would say, I love Jesus with all my heart. You know, those of us who love Jesus with all of our hearts still misread our longings from time to time, don't we? So we buy stuff or we achieve something. We we succeed or we grow or we find validation and, and an accomplishment. You see, that longing that we have is the same longing the Jews have, and we need to recognize it. The longing that we have is God-given, and the promise is that that longing will be fulfilled. It has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 
And our becoming like Jesus ultimately occurs when we understand and operate in the place where God alone is that which fulfills all the longings of our heart. When we recognize that Jesus is our end and not simply a means to achieve some other end, like a good, easy life or whatever else we think that Jesus is going to help us do if we follow him and keep the rules. When we recognize that it's not about what Jesus can do for us, it's about what Jesus has done for us, then we begin to see what God intends for us. So let me ask you here tonight to look at that longing that you have. Dig deep below the surface of your life. Ask yourself why you do the things you do. Why you have the job you have. Why you buy the things you buy. Why you spend your time on the things you spend your time on. What is it that you're seeking? See, his name is Jesus. And he is that which you seek when you go out looking for all these other things. That's why we're never satisfied with any of them. Jesus is whom we seek. Jesus is who we need. Turn to God and away from your sin and recognize that everything below, everything you chase around leads back to your Creator's purpose for you, which is to glorify God. That's what Christmas is all about. The deep longing that we've had for God all along and His promise to fulfill it. Jesus' own words tell us in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. That's a great promise. Is that, any, is that on anybody's Christmas list this year? What do you want? Righteousness. Ask, this, ask yourself this question. What does my life look like when I recognize that God is that which I long for? If I truly lived out of a longing for God, more than a longing for anything else, more than for the approval of what others think, more than for you know a fat bank account and a secure future, more than any of that stuff, if I truly lived out that longing for God, how would I change? See, one way that we would change is that we would glorify God more and more because God's desire is that we find our greatest satisfaction in Him. Think about that. God is never more glorified than when you and I recognize that He's all we need. And we live in that. See, my prayer for all of us, for myself, is that we would live in this promise of the Messiah. For He has come. He has been given to us. And there is nothing that can separate us from that unspeakable satisfaction regardless of the circumstances of our lives, regardless of our failures, regardless of our sin, regardless of whatever else happens around us, we can discover that Jesus fulfills the longings of our heart. He doesn't just give us what we want or what we think we need. He gives us what we long for. He gives us himself. So may you come to that satisfaction. May your longing for righteousness be fulfilled. 
And may every person here tonight whom God has created live in that promise. And may all of creation which has been groaning, awaiting the children of God to be revealed, find its satisfaction in the Messiah who is Jesus Christ our Lord. He's God's gift to us. He's God's gift to you. No matter what else you asked for, He's all you need. And He's here tonight. The question is, for you and for me, will we receive Him? Will we take that gift and open it with joy in our hearts? Will we trust the gift giver? Will we trust that He knows us better than we know ourselves and we will receive that? Will we neglect everything else and rejoice in what Jesus Christ has given to us? Or will we push it aside and say, well, what else you got? I have my list, Jesus. Tonight, I'm going to invite you to get rid of your list. Swap it out. Put Jesus and only Jesus on your list because he's the Messiah and he's what we really want for Christmas. Amen.